We are excited to continue on through the book of John. Before we start, let's open in prayer. Would you join with me, bow our heads. Lord, we say thank you for today. We thank you, God, that you give us life and breath and you fill us with your spirit. And we ask that you would come now, God, that you would come and change us, that you would transform us, Lord, that you would open up our hearts and our minds, that we would be ready to leave here Lord, to do the will of the Father. We thank you, Heavenly Father. We love you, and we ask for this time to be anointed and blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are uh, continuing on through the book of John. I think this is the third or fourth week, and has it been good? It's been really, really great for me. I encourage you to pick up one of those books outside if you haven't already. Um, some of the small groups are going through that, and uh, I would just encourage you just to use it alongside um, your daily devotions. Uh, it's so good, so rich, and deeper you go, it's like, oh, you just don't want to stop. Well, um, I I know that I haven't spoken in maybe about a month, and I think the last time, <laughs> the last time I spoke was uh, before the whole Hawaii missile scare. And you know, um, I think it's good to talk about it, right? We can get some therapy here. We can talk about it, get some healing in it. And I look at the positives. And I just, I felt like, you know, I, I would love to be able to share a little bit about my story. And it's kind of interesting that we can talk to people in Hawaii and we all have this kind of common bond. Where were you? What did you go through? And it's neat to see how different people reacted. You know, um, we were actually at home like most people, I think. And it was a lady Saturday morning, and we were just hanging out, and I think I was uh, chasing around Cruz with some one of the puppets, like this old puppet, and trying to freak him out or something. And then all of a sudden, the phone goes off, right? All of and you, my daughters have phones too, and their phones went off. And we looked at it, and the same reaction, right? Like, what? This must be a mistake, Right? But <laughs> what if it is real? This is not a drill, right? And so, you know, dad can't freak out, so he has to be cool and calm. Oh, don't worry. I'm sure it's just a, you know, error. And so we go into the living room, and Vanessa had actually gone to a writer's retreat for the day. And I thought, well, better call Vanessa. And so as I'm dialing up, she pulls right into the garage, she had went to Foodland to buy some food for her writer's retreat. And then she was just going to stop by our house and drop off some donuts to us and everything. And it, Oh, the salt and vinegar wings, too, from Foodland. Have you tried those? Those are awesome. Okay, I'm hooked. Anyway, so she's coming back to drop off some food to us, and she doesn't know what's going on. And I greet her at the door. I said, oh, you got to come in. And so we're looking, what is this? And so we call up our friend. He works at Pearl Harbor and the nuclear program there, submarines, and we, he knows. Warren knows everything. <laughs> you know, Warren, right? And so call up Warren, and he sounded his voice a little shaky. <laughs> he said, just close your windows. You know, I, I have the same information you have. So we said, uh-oh. So we started to close the windows up, and I'm kind of laughing to myself because some of my jealousies don't even close. <laughs> You know, Hawaiian style, right? Like, oh, great. The radiation is going to come in right here, 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 here. And then I'm kind of laughing, but then all of a sudden, our middle child, Sky, she starts crying. 
She just felt scared, like all of us. And she just started letting it out. And we realized, okay, we've got to sit down here. So we all sat down on the couch, all of us, and we just gathered together. And we said, it's going to be fine, don't worry. We talked, talking to my sister-in-law, my brother, and we just prayed. We prayed. And, you know, we were so blessed by God's word, by his presence. Philippians 4, 4 through 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And as we prayed that, we were sitting there on the couch. Yeah, we were still scared. But at the same time, we felt God's peace come and flood us. It come and flood us. My daughter was still crying. But we were all together and we felt the Lord's peace invade our home. It didn't make any sense. It transcends all understanding. It was like a missile scare. And so we're sitting there and we're just kind of just, you know, such a special moment. Anyway, so as I start to think about it, I feel like it's such a blessing for us as a state for us to, Kendra, how are you doing? It's such a blessing for our state to be able to go through something like that because it helped change our perspective, amen? On, from earthly things, from our everyday things into eternal things, spiritual things. God is getting us ready, getting us looking at that. And I think, I hope and I pray that people who don't know the Lord, people who don't go to church are starting to say, maybe I should start thinking about these things, Amen. So maybe God is blessing us. It's all about perspective. Perspective. And it's kind of interesting to hear different people's stories. Anyway, that's my story. Got it out. Do you feel better? (laughs) I do. Well, talking about perspective now, a little bit different, a little bit more fun topic. We're talking, let me uh, bring up this dress. Now, some of you guys have seen the dress. Okay, so blue or black or white or gold, okay? Keep it on one, just keep it on one, okay? Don't, don't switch it. Now, how many of you guys see a white and gold dress? Raise your hand, okay? Because it is white and gold. Okay, now, put your hand down. Leave it on that picture now. Uh, how many of you see a blue and black dress? Raise your hand. What? Okay, look at your neighbor. Tell them you're crazy. Okay, you're crazy. <laughs> okay, one more time. Raise your hand. White and gold. Okay, now raise your. That's what I see. I see a white and gold dress. There's no way that dress can be blue or black. Okay, that's impossible because it is white and gold. All right. Who sees blue and black? Raise your hand. It's so crazy. It's weird because it's white and gold. That's right. Something is wrong with us. How could this dress be two separate colors? It's so weird, isn't it? I don't know. Somebody a lot smarter than I can explain that. Okay, I think we might have the two dresses. So it's like you, your perspective and what do you see? It's so weird to think that somebody else can see the same thing 
but a different color. Within my own family, we did this at the dinner table one night, we're like, what? Can't believe you see that. No way. It's almost as if the other side is joking, right? Come on. Just stop joking around. You know it's that color, right? So anyway, that's the, the dress. Well, it's all about perspective. It's all about how you see things, okay? So today, I'm going to be taking us through the story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4. If you have a Bible with you, you can go ahead and open up to John chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to talk about one of my favorite, favorite, favorite stories in the Bible, how Jesus talks to the woman at the well. If you have a Bible, you can open it up, John chapter 4. Okay. John chapter 4, verse 1. Now Jesus, Jesus learned that the Pharisees were gaining, sorry, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. So, remember John the Baptist, he baptized Jesus. Jesus began his public ministry at age 30. And shortly after, Jesus had his disciples baptizing others. And uh, the Pharisees said, this John the Baptist character is uh, already... Uh, causing a ruckus. But now Jesus, this Jesus guy we got to get a hold of. Jesus didn't want anything to do with the Pharisees just yet to have a big confrontation. So verse 3, he left Judea, went back once more to Galilee. So if you think about where Judea is, you look at this map at the bottom. That's the area where they were baptizing Jordan River and uh, he decided to head up north, so he had to go up towards Galilee. Galilee, and so as he's walking, it's about a seventy-mile journey. It could take anywhere from like three days, longer, possibly a week, and he had to go through an area, a region called Samaria. Samaria. So he wanted to go right through Samaria. Usually, Jewish people cross over the river and they walk through Perea, and they walk up north around Samaria. Why would they go around Samaria? It extended the trip and made the trip a lot harder, journey harder. So why would they go around Samaria? Jews in that day, in that culture, did not like Samaritans. Why not? Samaritans were actually considered a mixed race or half-breed, half-Jewish, and half-something else. In the... Year 722 BC, the Assyrian Empire conquered Israel and they took them into the Assyrian captivity. What they would do when the kingdom would conquer another, they would take them out, all the best people out of the land, and they would replace it and send in other people to intermarry and get rid of their beliefs. And that's how they would conquer a place. And so the Samaritans were mixed. They were half Jewish, half Assyrian, or some kind of other religious practice or ethnicity. And so they practice Judaism. They, they still uh, adhere to the first five books of the Bible or the law, but they also interwove it with lots of other different religious practices. 
And so the Jews did not like that. They considered them worse than Gentiles or non-Jews, Samaritans. That's why the story of the Good Samaritan is such a powerful story. Remember, the Jewish people didn't stop to help the person in the ditch, but the Samaritan helped. Wow. So he really showed them how to love your neighbor. So Samaritans were not allowed to worship in the temple in Jerusalem, in the south, see Judea above that. Jerusalem is in the south. They weren't allowed to worship there in the temple. So they built their own temple on Mount Gerizim in the middle of uh, Samaria. You'll see big mountain still there. It's in the West Bank. Uh, what is today the West Bank? And a lot of contract, uh, 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 just strife and everything over there in the Middle East and Israel today. Anyway, Mount Gerizim is where they had their own temple. And they did their own worship and religious practices, Samaritans. So instead of taking a big detour, Jesus went right through Samaria. Why did he do that? Because he had a divine appointment with a woman at the well. Verse 4, verse 4, John chapter 4, verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. He came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. So it was in the middle of the day. It was super hot, six hours, about the six hour after sunrise, about noon. <clears throat> it was hot, dusty, dry. Jesus was exhausted from his journey. Jesus was thirsty. Yes, Jesus got tired. <laughs> you, sometimes we think, okay, Jesus like Superman. Jesus was 100% God, but also 100% fully human. And Jesus was completely exhausted. Verse 7, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. So they went to buy lunch, right? The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew. And I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus was looking outward. Yeah, he was so tired. He was so exhausted from his journey. But he sits down at the well with this woman and he begins a conversation. He reaches out. He's looking out. He's reaching out to this person where so many others, other Jews would say, oh no, let's not talk to her. She's a Samaritan woman. And she's wondering, why is this Jewish rabbi man speaking to me? That would be weird in that culture. Number one, a Samaritan would never talk to a Jew, and a Jew would never talk to a Samaritan, right? That's just not going to happen. Number two, getting water was something that women in that culture did. So they would wake up really early, and they'd go to the well, but... As a woman, she would not expect to be talking to a man. In fact, the women and men didn't talk in public in that day, in that culture. And especially a woman wouldn't be talking to a, a rabbi, which Jesus was a teacher. Okay? And three, like I said, she was there in the middle of the day, said about noon. Why would she be there at noon? Usually people got water, women got water really early where it was you know, cooler, but she was there in the middle of the day when it was so hot because she 
was probably meaning to be there on purpose. So she was purposely going there to be alone, expecting her for herself to be completely alone. And we'll see in just a little bit why she wanted to do that. But there she found herself with this Jewish rabbi man named Jesus. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Whoa, living water. So Jesus is starting to turn the conversation towards the spiritual, spiritual things. He's talking about something called living water. The woman, does she know what he's talking about yet? Living water? No, she doesn't have a clue yet. But her curiosity is piqued, and she steps out of her comfort zone, and she's going to be starting to ask a few questions about what Jesus is talking about. Verse 11, Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and livestock? So this was the same well that one of the patriarchs of the faith Jews and Samaritans had Jacob. It's Jacob's well. His sons drank out of the well. It was a deep well. It was a spiritual place. And she's saying, you don't even have a bucket. What are you talking about? How are you going to drink from this well? How are you going to get living water, whatever you're talking about, out of this deep, deep well? Verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What kind of water is this? What is Jesus talking about? Well, Jesus is beginning to connect with her needs. She has a need for water. That's a physical need. That's something that everyone needed. This woman was thirsty. She needed it. She needed water to survive. But Jesus isn't talking about that kind of water. Jesus is talking about her spiritual need. A spiritual need for a savior. Something that every single person has. Whoever drinks this living water, Jesus is talking about, will never thirst. The kind of water that Jesus is talking about, he said, is like a spring that flows from within and that will overflow into eternal life. Wow! Verse 37, on the last, this is John chapter 7, verse 37, talking about this kind of living water. What is this living water Jesus is talking about? John chapter 7, verse 37, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, Rivers of living water will flow from within them. And he goes on to explain it. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. The Spirit of God. The Spirit. This living water is the Holy Spirit of God. And you know, I remember when I was a Christian, I had come to faith in Christ, but I just wasn't able to do it and i've shared this story before and i was trying my hardest and the more i tried the less i seemed to be good at it 
And I always thought Christians were such superheroes. Like, how did these people in church do it so well? And, you know, I went, I went to this uh, Holy Spirit night. It was uh, out in the Makaha Resort back in the day. And the person was talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit or being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I was, he said, whoever would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, stand up. And I'm going to pray for you, and you just put your hands out like this, as if receiving a gift, and I'm going to pray you be filled. And I stood up, and I was just being filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, it felt like jolts of energy, or like, you know, almost like I was just being blasted with a bolt of lightning. And I was kind of doing some weird stuff, you know, like I could just feel my body, and I was like, this is weird, and I had all these like visions come into my head. One of the visions was I was saw like it was just a amazing thing where like a mountain, these mountains, and it was just supernatural event. And I opened my eyes, and everybody else is sitting down in the place. Okay, and all the people who stood up with me, I was the last one, and I just like embarrassed, but not really, and I was had this big grin on my face and I just felt overwhelmed with the power of God, with God's Holy Spirit. And you know, it was like a fountain of living water had been a well deep within, had been born and just is overflowing. And you know, since that day, I've wanted to follow Jesus. I've really wanted to and I see like, it's not me that wants to, it's like, God's spirit within me wanting to and he's doing all the work and the more I just say okay I'm just going to give up and let the Holy Spirit take over he does it and it's just overflowing overflowing it's like I almost have jumped into a river and I'm caught up in the current and you know in fact when I was thinking about it that vision that I saw that God had given me I actually went to the country of Kyrgyzstan not long after that and I, the last day I was there on the trip, I went on a hiking trip with these Russian guys. And so I'm in the, um, and one of their sons, and we're all up there, we're having a picnic in the mountains, and as we're driving up, I see the exact same mountains God had given me when he had filled me with his spirit. Isn't that awesome? And I'm like, whoa, look, those are the mountains! And they don't understand a word I'm saying, I don't understand the word they're saying, and they're just smiling. And we get there, and there is a, we set out a picnic, and we're just trying to communicate, talking story about whatever, about the Lord. And we, there was a river there. There's like a, a little river. It looked like it wasn't too powerful. So I come up to the river, and I'm like, whoa, this is so cool. I want to jump in. And they're like, no, 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 don't jump. It's too cold, you know. And I said, I want to just jump in. And, you know, I'm from Hawaii. I can handle this kind of stuff. I do this all the time. We got lots of rivers there, like the ocean, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to jump in. And I jump in. Boom. <laughs> I get swept down the river so fast. And I'm holding on to this rock, this boulder. And I barely get on. And I'm like, oh, just standing on this boulder. And I'm looking at them. And they're like, oh gonna make like a human chain gang to come out and get me and I have to step over these long boulders and I I could have died no joke <laughs> I should have died the Lord was watching over me and I get back on the land and I'm like kissing the ground and I'm all freezing like hypothermia freezing 
And I'm like, oh, that was so dumb. Why didn't you guys stop me? Got just immersed and swept up into the river. But you know what? It was fun. I look back on it. I'm like, that was an awesome experience. So the woman, her, she's looking at Jesus, and her perspective is beginning to change. Verse 15, going back to the story. The woman said to him, Sir, she's still calling him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. And I have to keep, and have to keep coming here to draw water. Her interest is, she's starting to ask questions about this. What is this living water? And you might be here this morning asking the same question. What is this Holy Spirit? What is this living water Jesus is talking about, Pastor Max is talking about? This woman, you look at her life, she was spiritually dry. She was spiritually dry. And so many of us can end up spiritually dry as well. You might be here today, you might be thinking, you know what, that's me, Pastor Max. I'm not going to raise my hand, but if I could, I, honestly I would, because, you know, I just don't have that same love for the Lord. I just don't feel like reading God's Word. I just don't like, feel like spending time praying. You know, I really don't feel like or have it all in me to want to reach out to others who don't know Jesus. Now, Jesus is talking to you this morning, and he's saying, just like the woman at the well, he wants to refresh you this morning, amen? He wants to revive you this morning. He wants you to fill you with his Holy Spirit so that you're overflowing, overflowing, a well of overflowing, a river running through your heart that can't be stopped. You know, we can be exhausted like Jesus on the journey. We all get there and have times that we're spiritually dry. So there's no shame in it. We would just be honest with the Lord. Jesus was exhausted from his journey. But he still, still yet, he sat down to be with somebody that needed him. Now, a lot of times, for me, I can be grumpy. I can be tired. I can be thirsty. I can be hungry. I don't want to help anybody. I just want to help myself. I don't want to deal with any spiritual things as a pastor. That's the last thing I want to do right now. You know, if I'm really honest, that's how I feel. I can let my earthly perspective on things completely block out my eternal perspective. When you think about it, we all have problems, right? We all have challenges and issues. And there's never a lack of problems for us to focus on. You can get lost in your head as you think about the irritations and all these things in your mind that you're going through. The fears, things that you've not yet done, still have to do, challenges with others. Who is at the center of your thoughts? Who is at the center of thoughts when you're thinking like that? Is it the Lord or is it you? It's usually us, yeah? It's usually us. Like the whole world, the whole universe revolves around us. And we get so busy thinking about all these things, consuming ourselves with all this time, energy, attention on you, on me. Instead of focusing our thoughts, our attention, our energy on loving the Lord, on Jesus, on looking outwards at others, looking upwards at the Lord. You know, I love it when you spend time with the Lord and you're 
in his presence and you don't have anything else on your agenda, that just so encourages you just come before the Lord. And what I like to do is I picture myself in this place called the throne room of God. It's the awesomest place in, in the universe. Okay, it's like I go there and I get to have full access into the throne room of God. And you know who's there? God the Father. He's there. He's not a big guy with a white beard. He's spirit. And he's like, I'm in the throne room of God. It's awesome. And you know who's right there at the right hand of God? Jesus. And I'm praying with Jesus. I'm like, Jesus is my best friend. He's my buddy. Okay, and I'm like, there, Jesus. And we're praying. He's helping me pray. Okay, come on, buddy, let's pray. You know who else is there with us? The Holy Spirit. He's there. I don't know quite what he looks like, but I know he's like here in me. And he's helping me to pray. The Spirit of Jesus Christ. And we're there, and I'm spending time with the Lord. Sometimes I talk to him. Sometimes I just listen. Sometimes I'm just awed. Sometimes I'm tired, grumpy, and I just got to tell God stuff like that. But when, you know, when I'm there, all of the attention goes on the magnificence, the glory, like just the extreme nature of who God is. And when I'm there, I feel like really small. All of my problems that were so important that were on my mind and on my heart, you know what happens to them? They just shrink. I come out of the throne room of God. You know what happens? I'm like, oh, that wasn't as big of a deal as I thought. And I just feel the overwhelming sense of God's peace, his power running through me, his love. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Amen? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And watch what happens. Watch your perspective change. Let's move to verse 16 as we're finishing up here. He, verse 16, Jesus told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, he rep she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you are now with, the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said, just said is quite true. Verse 19, you can probably think there's a little bit of a pause in between that. A little bit of a gulp. What did he just say? What? And she says, Sir, I can see that you're a prophet. <laughs> like, whoa, what did? I can't believe you just said those things. But you're, you're a holy guy. You're not just some dude that's here, a rabbi even. No, you are a prophet. Her perspective is changing. First she's calling him sir. Now it's like a little bit something different, right? Now it's, oh, this guy is a prophet. And Jesus, I love this. He didn't embarrass her. He didn't condemn her. He didn't dwell on her past. He just spoke the truth into the situation. He was bringing about conviction. You know, John chapter 3, verse 17. Remember John was talking to Nicodemus? This is what he said to Nicodemus. For God, this is last week's message, Pastor Mark. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So Jesus didn't come to condemn us. Like, oh, look at you. Look what you're doing. Oh, I'll strike you down. No. He came to convict us. It's a big difference, right? The Holy Spirit in you comes to convict you. Convict the world of its sin. And you know, 
You can't have repentance and say, I'm sorry, God, without conviction. So a lot of times, that's what you feel. You feel like you did something wrong that's, that's sin. The Holy Spirit will come in to your heart and say, you know what? That, and you feel, oh, yeah, that's terrible. Then you just say, I confess it to you, Lord. I'm sorry. I receive your forgiveness once again, moment by moment. You can't have repentance without conviction. So Jesus, he loves us so much. He doesn't leave us in our sin. We have an opportunity. He gives us this opportunity. He sits down with us and he says, you can receive this or not. It's up to you. He didn't make the woman, right? He's saying, I know a little bit about your life. Let me, I know all of it. Let me tell you about it. And she says, wow, you're a prophet. Verse 20. Our ancestors worshiped upon this mountain, she said, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Jewish came, Jesus came through the Jewish people. He was born through the Jews. Verse 23, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and we and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So Jesus is saying it's not important where you worship, but who you worship, how you worship. It's a perspective change, isn't it? She was asking a really important theological question of the day, because she's saying, you know what? We're supposed to worship here on this mountain. Jesus is saying, no, it's not about the what mountain, Jerusalem, Gerizim. No. It's about who you're worshiping. How are you worshiping? How are you supposed to worship? In spirit and in truth. What does that mean? Start with the truth. True worshipers will worship God in truth. It means that you're to worship Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ, and the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself, the person of is the person of truth. John 14, 6. Je Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The person of Jesus. He is the truth. God has also given us the word of God. Also the nickname of the word of God or the Bible is the word of truth. The word of truth. Why? Because this is how we know who Jesus is. This is how we know who God is. This is how we know <clears throat> that he's come to save us. How he died on the cross. How he was resurrected for us. God's rescue plan. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, that we would be able to handle this well. We would be skillful at understanding the word of truth. Amen. Ephesians 1, 13. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Wow. The word of truth. It's going to reveal who God is. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Right? As we come to know who he is, we say yes to Jesus the moment you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live within you. In fact, he's working in you. Worshiping God in spirit, what does that mean? 
It means to worship Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember Jesus, he's talking to Nicodemus, and he's talking about spiritual things. Nicodemus thought he was talking about physical things. Remember John chapter 3? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. So it's not either or. Worship God in spirit. Worship God in truth. Some churches are a little bit more Holy Spirit filled. Others are a little bit more, oh, it's only got to be the Bible. It's not either or. It's both and. Amen? We worship God in spirit and in truth. It has to be both. Verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. Messiah means Savior. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. This is the climax of the story. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And I love it. In the original text, there's no he there. It just says, I who am speaking to you, I am. The original name of God, Yahweh, I am. Declaring himself to be Savior, declaring himself to be God there in the flesh. The woman is like, whoa! Verse 27, just then his disciples returned. Good timing. And we're surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking to her? Then leaving her water jar, notice she just left it there. The woman went back to town and said to the people, come see a man that told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? She went from sir to prophet to Messiah. They came out of the town and made their way toward him. She became a witness for Jesus. Amen? A witness. Verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe with harvest. You know, his disciples, and this is so cool how Jesus does this. He's like, they're concerned with their lunch, right? They're concerned with food. Jesus, eat something. No, guys, there's something way more important. What is it? People doing the will of the Father. They're thinking about the temporary. He's thinking about the eternal. They're thinking about the physical. He's thinking about the spiritual. You know, I love a quote one of my seminary professors told me. His name is Dr. Rick Bartosik. He told us a great quote. He said, The disciples went into town and came back with lunch. The Samaritan went into town and she came back with the town. Do you see the difference? See the perspective, her perspective change. Let's go ahead and stand as we close. You know, this woman, she met Jesus there at this dusty old well. She was spiritually dry. She was living a life that she, Jesus knew wasn't the best for her, wasn't what God wanted for her. She met him 
and her perspective changed. She met the Savior of the world. And she went back and told the whole town. She was overflowing with this living water. And she couldn't help it. There was nothing she could do to stop it. She had to tell everybody she saw. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him. Verse 39, because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did, she said. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Have you met the Savior of the world? Would you like to be filled with this living water Jesus is talking about? It's for whoever desires it. Are you here today? Are you spiritually dry? Are you in need of this drink of the Holy Spirit? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that you speak to our deepest need, Lord. And that's one that would be a spiritual need, Lord. Something that we need above everything else in our lives. Now, right now, Lord, we ask that you would take away all distraction, that you would take away all of our problems, Lord, as we focus on you. That you would turn our hearts and our minds and our eyes upon you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I ask if there's anyone here, God, who has never met you before, that they would simply say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for being raised from the dead. Three days later, you are alive, and I want to follow you, Lord Jesus. I want to be like this woman who says yes to Jesus, who's filled with this living water. Come and fill me now. If you're here today, then you're spiritually dry, that you would say, Jesus, I'm honestly, I come before you and I let you know that. And I ask God that you would give this living water to me now. That you would flood me with this living water, Lord. That I would be able to jump in the river. And I would experience what it means, Lord, to not do it in my own strength, but to do it all in yours. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill me now. And Lord, I pray for each one of us, God, that we have Samaritans in our life, that we have people that we think maybe they don't deserve it. That's a wrong perspective. Heavenly perspective is that they're a child of God and they're deeply loved by you. And you came to die for them also. And we pray for those people in our lives, Lord, that we think that, we repent, we come to you and we say, Lord, bless them. Help us to come and Help them to come to know you, Lord. That we would pray for them and love them. We would have it in our heart, Lord, this deep spiritual need that they would say yes to Jesus. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.